0: Thank <sweak> you. With me. Just want to acknowledge a few people as well. Sister Clarita is here. She says, Good morning, everyone. I'm grateful for God's word, his mercy, strength, and protection. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get into God's word. Uh, but before we do, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word with your people, O God. As it comes forth, I pray that you will use me as a vessel and instrument of glory for your name's sake, oh God, for your honor. I pray that your people will receive it as it's intended in the name of Jesus, oh God. May every plan of the enemy, Father God, be removed. Father God, may your ears be open to hear all that you have in store, oh God, and anything that is not like you, I pray that you will take it away, O oh God. Have your way and speak to us. We are ready and willing to hear your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so uh, if you can grab your Bibles with me, turn with me to, um, uh, John chapter three. Amen. It's Valentine's day, Valentine's day. Um, those that are married, those that are courting, those that are, have boyfriends and girlfriends, they are, you know, sending messages to each other, expressing their gratitude, how much they loved each other. Uh, some people are being pressured. Thank God for COVID because, you know, some people may not feel pressured to, go buy stuff or go travel and do this here and there from your loved ones. But we thank God for COVID. And even though we're in the midst of a pandemic, uh, the expectation is still there for you to do something. Um, uh, for me, I'll put it this way, and I'm sure some men can can identify with me and say, hey, every day is Valentine's Day, okay? The love is there every day, all right? So it, does, it, it doesn't just take one day for us to express our love, amen? But today, uh, as I share on the the, the word of God, I want us to bring our attention to the love of God. I've entitled my message today, Our Response to God's Love. Amen. Our response to God's love. We are still going through shepherd uh, uh, shepherd leadership, all right, or servant leadership. All right. And it's part of what God requires of us. And as I read this passage here, I want us to just zoom in on a couple of things. That Jesus taught us, and you know, hopefully we can apply it to our daily living beyond just what we say. Amen. The, uh, so, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. Hey, Ken, I just want to know. I see you. I see you. If you haven't shared, make sure you hit the share button. John chapter three, and I read. It says, I'm reading from verse three. It says, now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler, a leader and authority among the Jews. And when we read the word, we need to pay attention to the details of what's being spoken about because Jesus could have jumped, could have skipped all of that to make his point. But the Bible makes it clear who this man was. He was a man among the Pharisees. So he was among the people who opposed Jesus. But at some point he got a revelation. The Bible said that he was a ruler. He was a... A leader. He was a person of authority among the Jews, who came to Jesus at night and said, "Rabbi, we know and we are certain that you have come from God as a teacher." Now, these are the same Pharisees. If you've been following our studies uh, over the past few weeks, these are the same Pharisees that called Jesus that that called him that he was of Satan. Amen. They, they said Jesus was of Satan because he cast out devils but you have one that is among the Pharisees that sneaks in the middle of the night and comes to Jesus and he says, we know so let, let me let me point something out. when God calls you there, there may be people that may disagree may, may oppose what you do but God will always reveal himself to one and for him he came at night because he didn't want the rest of the people to see him. And sometimes that's what our pride does. That, and even now we walk with God you so know, in the midst of our family and friends. We don't want people to know that we serve God. We, we say we love Jesus. We say we love God. We say we are disciples. We say we are kingdom citizens. But we hide away from anything that identifies with us as believers. So whether it's your social media page, let me ask you the question today. If someone were to go on your social media wall or page today, is there anything on your Facebook page, anything on your on your Instagram page that speaks to the fact that you are a true child of God? That doesn't speak of love that we exhibit to the, the, the God that we love. Amen? The Bible says that if you are... Ashamed of being before men on that day when I stand, when we stand before God, He will also be ashamed of us. Nicodemus could have actually come up flat out and let everybody know, let the rest of the Pharisees know that He identifies with Jesus, that He has gotten a revelation, but He's He actually snuck in the middle of the night to Jesus to acknowledge Him as someone from God. Amen. So, so if you, a lesson that we need to take here is that when you say that you are a believer, make sure that you demonstrate your love. Don't hide your faith. I know some of us, we may have people in our Facebook groups or Facebook pages or Instagram pages that are not saved. And you are thinking, oh my God, what are they going to think of me? I'm a Bible thumper. So, so what? Who cares? We are believers that we sign up for. We can no longer be hidden in the shadows. And not only that, when you put yourself out there, it keeps you accountable because the world is watching. You are a light. Amen. Verse three, says, who came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know and we are certain that you have come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs, these wonder works, these miracles and produce the proofs that you do unless God is with him. This is someone doing it. Other people are calling and uh, saying that he is from the devil, he's of Satan, and other people are also getting the revelation knowing that he's from God. Jesus answered him, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you that unless a person is born again, anew or from above, he cannot ever see or know or be acquainted with the experience of the kingdom of God unless you are born again you cannot inherit the kingdom of God are you guys sharing me for those of you that were born and raised in Pentecostal charismatic uh, evangelical church we sometimes we tend to use that phrase uh, loosely a born again Christian so if you're born again Christian what does it mean that, that it, it doesn't mean that you go to a Pentecostal church it doesn't mean that it means that you are regenerated amen Jesus said, I assure you, Moses, unless a person is born again, he can never see or inherit the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born again. Maybe this is the first time that you are hearing this message. Maybe the rest of your life, you've never heard the gospel and you hear me say you have to be born again to be able to enter into the kingdom of God in order for you to get to heaven. Well, you may be like Nicodemus that's asking the same question, how can you be born again? Verse five, Jesus answered, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the spirit, Amen. And for those of us that were born and raised Pentecostal, Charismatics or whatever, oftentimes we associate born of the water with baptism, but there is nowhere in this text that Jesus referred to baptism. He's making a clear distinction as we refer that actually Jesus explains it. The Bible explains itself. Amen. Jesus answered, I assure you, most suddenly I tell you, unless a man is born of water and of the spirit. There are two things, water and the spirit. He cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. What is born from the flesh of the physical is physical. Amen? And what is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not or do not be surprised or astonished at my telling you, you must all be born again or born anew from above. Let me ask you, are you born again today? And if you are not born again, do you desire to be born again so that you can enter into the kingdom of God? Amen. He goes on to say, he said, the wind blows, breathes wherever it wills, And though you hear its sound, yet you neither know where it comes from, nor where it is going, so it is with you, with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So some people ask the question, and we have a lot of people around us, whether it's in school, in, in our workplace, that say, well, God doesn't exist. I put something on my Instagram page the other day. I don't need any proof that God exists. My existence is a proof that God exists. Your existence is a proof that God exists. Amen? He says, the wind blows wherever it wills, and he's referring to the spirit. And though you hear it sound, you need to know where it's coming from or where it's going. We have I've always said this as, as human beings, we are in the flesh. We are spirit beings living in the flesh and we have a soul. Amen. So you can't always think of things in the natural or in the flesh. And this is what Jesus is trying to point here. In order for you to Inherit the kingdom of God. Your your spirit must be renewed. He's not talking about you have to be naturally born again by water. He's not even talking about baptism. He's talking about the fact that we were born in the womb, referring to water when when the amniotic fluid when you were in your mother's womb, born of the water. He's talking about the spirit for you to inherit salvation. You have to be born again by the spirit of God. You your spirit must be renewed, must be regenerated. Amen. And he says, so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Then Nicodemus answered by asking, how can all this be possible? Maybe that's like you, you are asking the same question. How can all this be possible? And Jesus replied, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not know nor understand these things. Let let me point something out. Some of us, we know so much. We know everything about the world. We know everything, entertainment business, show business, every TV show, every movie, everything out there. We have so much information, but we still cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is basically saying, and if if, if I believe it's Jesus what Jesus was in, in our day having a conversation with some of us, he would be saying things like, "Hey, buddy, you know everything. You you know everything that goes on in the news. You know everything that goes on on CNN, the fake news, the uh, uh, TBN, whatever. You have all that information, but you don't take the time to understand the things of the spirit." He says, "Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not?" You do not know nor understand these things. Are they strange to you? And some of us, that is our story. Every time we read the word of God, every time we hear the word of God, every time the spirit of God speaks to us, it's something strange to us. Why? Because our spirits are not regenerated. If you are not born again, when God speaks to you, it sounds foreign to you. It sounds like foolishness. And that is why sometimes we look at those that are not same. You ask yourself, what is it that they don't see? What is it that they don't get? Because they've been blinded by the God of this world. Your spirits are not regenerated. They are not born again. But if you are born again by the spirit born of the water and of the spirit, you must understand the things of the spirit. He says, at verse 11, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, we speak only of what we know. We know absolutely what we are talking about. We have actually seen what we are testifying. We were eyewitnesses of it. And still do not receive our testimony. You reject and refuse our evidence. Again, something I need to point out here. Your testimony, again, is important. Beyond what you profess, beyond what you see, you also must live that experience. Remember, you are light, you are salt and light to the world. Assault gives savor, it, it brings healing to the people around them. A light gives illumination to the people around them. That is your testimony. So, beyond what you profess, beyond what you preach, that's why as oftentimes we hear people say, Practice what you preach. Beyond what you preach. Beyond what you say you believe. You must know. And that's what Jesus said. He says, let me go back again. Say, so I assure you, most of I tell you, we speak of only what we know. We know absolutely what we are talking about. So don't go around and start talking about things that you don't know. And everybody on the of my voice, you know of something. God has done something tangibly in your life. You know. And we have actually seen what we are testifying to. Not only have you heard, but you know. You are convinced within yourself. And I've said it time and time again. If I wasn't say, if it wasn't for the experiences that God has allowed me to experience with him in my journey with him, it would have been very easy for me to be straight or swayed by some of these philosophies or, or, or theories of the world that claims that God doesn't exist and they believe in the, the concept of, of evolution because based on your arguments every now and then and sometimes when you think to the natural mind, it kind of makes sense and you say, ah, it's true, it's true because you are thinking logically. But if you've been born of the water and of the spirit of God, you have a better understanding. You have the knowledge, not just the knowledge, but you've actually witnessed. You can, He says, we have actually seen what we are testifying to. We were eyewitnesses of it. And still you do not receive our testimony. You reject and refuse our evidence. And I believe Jesus was referring to the rest of the Pharisees because remember, Nicodemus actually came to him by himself. He said, that of myself and all of those who are born of the Spirit, if I have told you of things that happen right here on earth, and yet none of you believes me, how can you believe, trust me, adhere to me, rely on me if I tell you of heavenly things? Are we paying attention? If we say that we love God, it's Valentine's Day, everybody's expressing their love to your loved ones. But today, we, we, as believers, as kingdom citizens, as, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we need, we need to get to a place where we're expressing our love unto God. And how do we do that? We do that with the knowledge that he has given us and through the experiences and just making it exuberant. Amen? Hallelujah. He says, If I have told you the things that happen right here on earth, and yet none of you believe me, that that is the challenge with our faith sometimes because some of us, we, we find it so hard to believe the things of the kingdom, the things of the spirit, because you want it to make logical sense to you. But if your spirit is not regenerate, you cannot understand it. You cannot fathom it. And over the past few months, we've been talking about the importance of acquiring knowledge. The Bible says it's important for us to know, have the knowledge of his will. It's not hidden. Amen? He says, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? If you can't even comprehend these things. Verse 13 says... And yet, no one has ever gone up to heaven, but there is one who has come down from heaven, the son of man himself, who is, dwells, has his home in heaven. And again, let me point this out, just to encourage your faith. You encounter some people that say, well, but you trying to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Yes, we are confident. No one goes to the Father except by him or through him alone. Through Jesus Christ alone, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Confucius. Don't let anybody deceive you, and don't try to be politically right or correct. Jesus alone, and that's it. Anybody heard me? Can I get a hashtag on it? Somebody say, Jesus alone, Jesus alone, Jesus. will so give me a hashtag, Jesus alone. Salvation through Jesus alone. We are saved by grace, grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus alone. He says, and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert on the pole, so much, so it is necessary that the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross. And this is the part I want us to zoom in because we know this passage of Scripture, every believer, every churchgoer, we tend to, you know, uh, talk about it all the time. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten, or unique son so that whoever believes in him or trusts in him clings to him relies on him shall not perish or come to destruction or be lost but have eternal life that means if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you are lost and you are going to hell can I be bold in these days we don't want to tell, tell, tell people that they are lost and that if they don't receive Jesus they are going to hell because we feel like oh they're going to feel like I'm, I'm, but no 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 if you don't have, believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior you are going to hell you are lost so that goes in the title of my message if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son So then, what is our response to him? What is your response to God today? He says, for God so loved the world, for God so greatly loved the world, for God so loved you and I. God's love for you and I was not only demonstrated on Valentine's Day, but God's love for you and I is demonstrated every day. The Bible said the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. It never comes to an end. They are new. Every morning, when we wake up every morning, we are experiencing the love of God. You are in your right mind, not just because you did all the right things. I know people that worked out well. I know people that had money, people that did all the right things, and they seem to have it all together, and they still died and went to hell. Your money can't save you. Your accolades can't save you. Your PhD, your doctorate cannot save you. Your fame can't save you. Your friends can save you. They can help you grow if you want to. But what is your response today to all the love that God has demonstrated to you, all the love that God has poured into you, that you can hear the word of God This afternoon, some people are are, are craving, they are thirsty and hungry for the Word of God, but they can't have it. You and I, we are blessed enough, even if in the midst of a pandemic, we're able to get up every Sunday morning and hear the Word of God, every Friday night, get to study the Bible every Thursday to pray to God, we still we are still able to maintain the fellowship of the brethren. That is part of God's love, so that you are still engrafted in salvation. You must be born again. Jesus said, we all, we all must be born again. We all must be born again. And if you are hearing me today, maybe you've been in church for a long time and you have been playing church. Well, today is your day. Receive salvation. Allow Jesus to come into your heart. For God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. Just imagine, imagine God, God, God asked you to sacrifice your only child. Are you going to do it? He loved him so much that he was willing for him to come and sacrifice his life for us to share the blood. Because the debt that we owe to God is only blood that could actually appease God. And only God can appease himself. So he came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ that we call, that we worship, God in the in, in the form of a man, he died on the cross to shed his blood for us. So if you look at the old covenant, when when people sin every every now and then, they will go to the priest, they will they will sacrifice animals and shed the blood so that the priest can make an atonement for the forgiveness of their sins. But you and I, we no longer have to do that anymore because God himself has sacrificed himself, his shed blood through his son Jesus Christ, and our sins have been forever atoned for. Your past sins, your present sin, your future sins, they have all been atoned for. So if if, if you are in salvation, and, and sometimes, I don't know, it seems like we want to hear other things, but that's how simple it is. that's how simple God has made it for us to inherit salvation? That you don't have to you don't have to pay anything, you don't have to pay a priest, you don't have to go sacrifice anything, just receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and repent of your sins. And when we don't accept his love, what what, what is that? What, what what do we do then? We are basically insulting God. We are basically just, just trampling on the sacrifice that he made on the cross of Calvary. Let's bring it to our day. Now, it's, it's, it's Valentine's Day, and let's say your spouse, your partner, uh, went out and just spent uh, so much money on something just to show, the, uh, demonstrate your love. Let, let, I don't know. Let, let, let me put something out there for, 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 for lack of a, a better illustration. Let's say, let me, let me go crazy. Let's, let's, say, let's say your spouse went went ahead and bought you your dream car. I don't know whatever your dream car is. It could be a Lamborghini, it could be whatever, a Honda, whatever your dream car is. So it's Valentine's Day, and your partner saved enough money knowing that it's something that you love, something that you long for. And they purchased it and gave it to you. And you actually looked at the gift and you said, I don't want it. It's too cheap. I don't care for it. It means nothing to me. That is a huge insult. God knowing that we are in need of salvation, he sent his son. Die, shed his blood. For you and I. That is how precious you you and I we are to God. And for us to turn our our backs on God in our response to God, and how do we respond to God? It's our lifestyle, how we how we live. Amen. Because once we receive we, we receive salvation, God expects us to live differently. We go through the sanctification process, but we cannot say we believe in Jesus, we are saved, and continue in the life that we used to live. There must be a transformation. Verse 17 says, For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, or to condemn, or to pass sentence the world, but that he might find salvation and be made safe and sell through him. He who believes in him, he who clings to him, he who trusts in him, he who relies in him is not judged. The who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For him, there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. But he who does not believe, or cleave to or rely or trust in him Is judged already So what are you saying, Pastor Dom So if, if I have friends who haven't received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior they, they, they're, they're going to hell I didn't say the Bible said They're already judged So it's, they're going to hell And I know when you say people are going to hell it's like, It feels like it's these songs, It feels like you're being harsh But that's the reality If you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he says, you are already judged. And he has already been convicted and he has already received his sentence because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. Let your trust stay in Christ. Let me ask you, do, do a deep search of your heart. When it boils down to it, where does your faith lie? Where do you, where do you draw your strength? Who do you trust in? you trust in God to lead you, to guide you in all that you do? Or do you trust in the things of this world? Hallelujah. Verse 19 says, The basis of the judgment or indictment, the test by which men are judged, the ground for the sentence lies in this. Light has come into the world and people have loved darkness rather than more than light. So automatically, we as believers, we, we as, as, as human beings, automatically, we love darkness. The light has come and sometimes we are just so consumed. I, I, I know we're in the midst of a pandemic. A lot of people have done some personal uh, assessment of their lives and what they're going to do differently. But trust me, once these things, things open up, there are some people who are still going to go back to the things of old. And behave the way they've always behaved, live the way they've always lived, and not give their lives to the Lord. And that is a known fact, and that's what Jesus is saying here. He said, the light has come into the world, and people have loved the darkness rather than and more than the light, for their works or deeds were evil. For every wrongdoer hates or loath detests the light, and will not come out into the light, but shrinks from it. Lest his works or his deeds, his activities, his conduct be exposed and reproved. So what does it mean? So even though you are in salvation, your deeds, your conduct is also important. Amen? You, we, we can't we can't say, and I know, I hear this often, I it's, feel it's like believers, we don't make the Extra effort to live right to please God. Say no, we are saved, and God is gonna take care of me, and He will give me the grace to He's gonna give you the grace, but God also expects our lifestyles to be different. Amen. He says, He says, For every wrongdoer hates and detests light. So if you do wrong, that means you hate God. So don't say you love God and you are saved, but at the same time, you do things that displeases Him. He said, Will not come out into the light but shrinks from it, lest his deeds or activities be exposed and reproved. Well, one of the things that I've learned is, is that um, as a pastor is just to try to be patient with, with people. Again, uh, it's it's a growing it's a, it's a growth process for everyone, including myself as a pastor. You know, before when people you know stayed away from church, you know, you think to yourself, did did you say something to offend them or did somebody do something to offend them? And I've come to realize that some people just don't feel comfortable coming into the fold because they feel like they will be exposed as Jesus has said it here. Let me read that again. He says, "Less." let me go back from 20. He says, for every wrongdoer hates the light and will, come, will not come out into the light but shrinks from it, lest his works or his deeds, his activities, his conduct, be exposed and reproved. See, once you show up in the light, those deeds will show. And I find sometimes some people stay away because they don't want those things to be exposed. But let me encourage you tonight, or today, whatever those things are, don't let the devil guilt you, trip you, and stay in your little corner thinking that it's gonna make anything better. As a matter of fact, it's gonna make it worse. Amen? The enemy wants to get you by yourself so he can do whatever he wants to do to you. You need to constantly stay in his presence. If you you were listening to the message or the teaching on Friday about Job, when the enemy comes looking for you, the Bible said the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When he comes, where is he gonna find you? Is he going to find you in God's presence or will you be out there in the devil's playground? Amen? Verse twenty-one says, "But he who practices truth, who does what is right, comes out into the light, so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, wrought by God, divinely prompted, done with God's help, independence upon Him." Amen. So, so on this Valentine's Day. You, people are trying to figure out, oh, does, does my spouse really love me? Because they didn't do anything to demonstrate your love. They didn't say anything to demonstrate your love. As a believer, how do you know that you love God? How can God say something about you that demonstrate that shows that you truly love Him? And I'm going to use this as an example. You know, they live and if someone says that they love you, that means that you are your priority. They will go out of your way to do something for you. Amen? When someone is in love with you, and and, 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 and for those that are, they didn't hear me, when someone is in love with you, they will go out of your way to do whatever it takes to be there for you. They can say they love you, but they're not sure they be in love with you. I remember a while back somebody asked me the question, uh, saying, what's the difference? There is a difference. Loving, say I love you versus I'm in love with you are two different things. And as kingdom citizens, as disciples of Jesus Christ, responding to God's love must cause us to fall in love with him. Because there's a lot of people that say, that oh, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I know Jesus, I know Jesus. But remember he says on that day, He will stay, some people will stand before him and say, get away from you, you workers of iniquity. And some people say, well, we cast out devils in him. There could be people that profess, that claim to love God, but not in love with him. Because you haven't made God your priority, you are not going the extra mile to demonstrate, to show your love, to yearn, to to just lead on him in all that you do. On this Valentine's Day, what is your response to God's love? Our response should be, God, we are in love with you. We will go the extra mile. We will do whatever it takes. You are our utmost priority. Amen? 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 When you are in love with someone, you, 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 you make every effort to rekindle the spark. When you're in love with someone, you, you make every extra effort to spend time with them. But when when you just say you love them, oh, you, you know, you've heard people say, oh, you can love people from afar. That's what it sounds like. You can say you love them, but you're not in love with them. When you say you love them, okay, I can love them from afar. Amen? But you make the effort to spend time with them. How much time do we devote ourselves to spending time with God? When we read the word, when we study the word, it's part of spending time with God. When we pray to God, it's part of spending time with God. And it's very necessary. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the only time in the Bible where Jesus got upset was where the people in the church mistakenly and started, started abusing the place, the purpose of the church. That Jesus said, it is written, this place shall be called a house of prayer. The church where we gather is a house of prayer. When the apostles got together, they broke bread, they shared the word, and they prayed. I know you can worship and sing worship songs and that's great, but learn to pray, spend time with God, talk to him, let him talk back to you. Born of the water and the spirit, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Amen? See, see, when, when, when someone says that they love you, they only see you uh, 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 as a friend. You know, anybody dated someone that that, that said, oh, uh, you know, we can't just be friends. You know, I can attest to this. My, my wife probably was sitting there just laughing because b- b- before we started dating, it got to a point she said, "I just want us to be friends." And I said, "No, I don't want. I don't want to be just friends. I want more than just friendship." Amen. I want to do this life with you. We, do Do you want to do life with God, or do you want to just know Him? That oh, I know Jesus. I go to Great Nation. No, that's not enough. Get to know Him. Be engulfed in Him. Amen. You have a casual view of God without any reverence. When you are not in love with God, you only have a casual view of him. Like this, this, that you know, I always put it this way. You think that God is this vending machine or a genie that when you need something that you go get it. You just have the casual, you lack intimacy with God. Lack of intimacy, always desire to be, you don't have that. You can say you love him, but are you in love with God? See, when you consider someone as a friend, they cross your mind once in a while, but when you are in love with them, you think about them often. all the time, you know, you say things like, Oh, I can not live without you. Oh, I think about you, I can't get you out of my mind. Some of these Valentine's Day, whatever songs that you've been listening to, if you're not safe, uh, if, if you are not married, be careful the songs that you've been listening to because he may take you back to a place where you don't. But my point is, when you are in love with God, your mind is stayed on Him at all times, amen. When, when 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 you love, you're in love with God, you, you respect, you honor, and you reverence him. You can't live without him. It can't be like, oh, I'm going to do my own thing, just have my plans, and when it's all said and done, do my thing. And when I'm in need, something happens, then I'll come to God and, and ask for help. Think about it. I, I remember a few years ago, we went to a shelter, and, uh, we were talking to a gentleman. He said, "I don't need prayer. I pray for these other people in the shelter. I'm okay. Uh, God is too busy taking care of other people. God doesn't need. I'm okay." And and that and that is a place of pride where you think you got it all together. You don't need God, regardless of where you think you are in life, what you think you've achieved. You will always need God. Amen. People that are that that are that that love you will say, "Oh, I love you. Just just care about your feelings. Oh, I care about how you feel." But those that are in love with you will feel what you feel. That's why Hebrew says that we, for so we have a high priest who is not, who is actually uh, familiar with our infirmities, what we go through. He had to experience it. Jesus had to die on the cross to experience the wrath of God. That is how much God loves. Him. He had to be intimate. He had to be. He had to experience. He had to feel the way we feel. Versus, okay, yeah, let, let him feel whatever. But when you say you love someone, you journey with them. Amen. You feel what they feel versus you care about your feelings. Hallelujah. So what are you saying? Again, turn with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. And I'm going to read from verse 15 to 17. And I'm going to move a bit faster. Um, John 21, 15 to 17. And I read, it says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these or others do with total commitment and devotion? This is Jesus having a conversation with Peter. I mean, they've been walking with Jesus for quite some time now. And you would think that Jesus would say, okay, well, I think they're still, because they are still with me, they love me. But why would Jesus ask this question? Jesus already knows his response. He knows what's in in his heart. And he says, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than all these other people? And I pose the same question to you and I today. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? Do you love Jesus more than Everything else, you love Jesus more than your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband? Do you love Jesus more than anything else? And let me hop on this again, North American mindset, we worship family. Remember at the age of 12, Jesus let father and mother go to the temple to seek God, and when they came looking for him, he told them, who is father and mother? That is the extent of commitment that God requires us to have when it comes to loving him, pursuing him, seeking him. So he asks Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you with a deep personal affection. Ask for a close friend. And I'm sure most of us, is our first response. The moment we ask, do you love Jesus? You're probably gonna respond, yes, I do love God. You know I love Jesus. I'm always in church. I'm always tithing. I'm always giving. I'm always helping the needy. You know I love Jesus. But just like encounter with Peter, with Jesus the other day i want to pose the same question to you do you love jesus see the bible says whoever does not love is not from god when i came across i'm like man this this is a serious thing so god really expects us to love he says whoever does not love it's not from God, amen. So he asked the first time around that he goes. To ask, I love you. So they just said, "If you love me, then feed my lambs. If you love Jesus, feed my lambs." And and the response that he gave, he did it three times, and three response sounds similar. But the first one that I took note of is the first one, he said, feed my lambs. He, said, he didn't say, feed my sheep. He said, feed my lambs. What are lambs? Lambs are basically the young ones. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, as servant leaders, when Jesus says that we love and we should feed the lamb, that means we need to take care of those that are younger in the faith. For so maybe you are listening to today and you are, you are new in the faith in your walk with God. Jesus said, for those of us that are mature, that have walked with him all these years, His instruction to us is that if we love him, then we should feed you with his word. Amen? So if you are a new believer, my job is to feed you. He says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with total commitment and devotion? And I ask you the same thing again today. Do you, Sister Julia? Sister Michelle, do you, Chris? Do you, Vernell? Do you, Claudia? Do you love Jesus? And I'm sure your response is going to be, yes, Lord, I do. You know I love you with deep personal affection. Ask for a close friend. This is the second time he's asking. And Jesus said, feed my sheep my amplified translation says shepherd my sheep that means lead my sheep so so for for younger people in the faith my job is to feed you with the Word of God if I say I truly love God and if I say I love God then my other instruction is those that have been growing in the faith my job is to shepherd you or lead you feed the lamb those new in the faith and lead the ones that are walking in the faith he said to him the third time simon son of john do you love me with a deep personal affection for me as for a close friend peter was grieved that he asked him the third time and 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 i'm sure probably if i was peter i'd probably be in the same same boat thinking Jesus how are you going to ask me this the third time I've been with you the whole time some have left some you know we, at one point we had about 120 disciples 72 they all left and I'm among the 12 how are you gonna ask me if I love you Jesus? I ask the same question to, to you, people of, of Dream Nation. How much are you in love with the assignment, the mandate that God has given us our, our church? And some of you say, oh, but pastor, I've been with you. I've been there from the beginning. But the question is a matter of the posture of the heart. That's what Jesus is trying to get to. And that's why he was Greek. He says, Do you really love me with deep and personal affection as for a close friend? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. If we say we love God, if we say we love Jesus, what matters to him should matter to us. Amen? Amen. As servant leaders, what matters to Jesus must matter to you. If you're serving in the local church, you're serving in Dream Nation, this goes to every leader, every aspiring leader of the church. If you say that you truly love God and he's asked you three times, then your passion should be the same passion and you should desire to fulfill everything that he desires. Amen? 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 But if we can't love God, then something is wrong. If you can turn with me quickly to John chapter four. John chapter four, I want to point something out real quick. John chapter four, and I'm going to read from verse seven. Uh, sorry, first John is first John, not John. First John chapter four. Are you with me today? Anybody receiving something today? 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to read from, I'm going to go through this quickly because I want to point something out. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit speaking through a self-proclaimed prophet. And that is why every now and then you have to check your surroundings. Jesus had to check with, with Peter. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit is that test the spirits to see whether they are from God. God says that we should do what? Test every spirit to make sure they are of God, our response to God. So every now and then you also must test your spirit to see if you are truly in love with God. And even in our own personal lives, and I personally, I try to exercise as much as I can. If someone tells me they love me, there are certain things that I go through, I process in my head based on the word to make sure what they are saying is right. It's evident. Amen? The Bible says the heart is different; that's really wicked and it's hard for you to tell the heart of people. But based on what God has given us, you will be able to know. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit speaking through a self-proclaimed prophet. Instead, test the spirit to see whether they are from God because many false prophets and teachers have gone out into the world. By this, you know and recognize the spirit of God Every spirit that acknowledges and confesses the fact that Jesus has actually come in the flesh as a man is from God, God is its source. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, acknowledging that he has come in the flesh, but would deny any of the son's true nature is not of God. So if people are lying to you that, no, there are other ways that you can get to Jesus and all these other things, please test the spirit. It's not, it's clear how you should, how you can go about it to determine if someone is from God or not from God, amen? He says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. The Antichrist is already in the world. He says, little children or believers or dear sons, you are of God and you belong to him and have already overcome them the agents of the Antichrist, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world of sinful mankind. They who teach twisted doctrine are of the world and belong to it. Therefore, they speak from the viewpoint of the world with its immoral freedom and baseless theories, demanding compliance with your own opinions and ridiculing the values of the upright and the gullible one of the world listens closely and pays attention to them. You've heard me time and time again. Please be careful who you listen to. Be careful what you feed your spirit with. Amen? Because you, you feed yourself with certain, the next thing you know, you come to church, and you'll be finding me on certain things. Verse 6, says, we who teach God's word are from God, energized by the Holy Spirit. And whoever knows God through personal experience, listen to us and has a deeper understanding of him. Whoever is not of God does not listen to us. By this we know without any doubt the spirit of truth or motivated by God and the spirit of error motivated by Satan. Amen. So you come to church, we teach you the word, we give you the word of God and you say to yourself, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to listen. This is what the word of God says. You are not of God. Amen. But rather you are motivated by Satan. So don't say you love God, but you still don't allow the word of God to take effect or root in your life. Verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. How do we respond to the love of God? For God so loved the world that He gave His own God and Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave His life to us, and we say that we love Him. Now today, I want us to move from just saying we love you, God, to God, we are in love with you. How do we do that? He said, "Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. For love is from God." And everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. If you can't love God, you don't know God, you just talk about him, you just say, I love him, but you're not in love with him. Verse eight, he says, the one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him. Wow, if you don't love one another, if you don't love your brother, if you don't love your sister. The Bible says that you never acquainted yourself with God. You you never knew him. You may you may have been self-deceived. You deceive yourself into thinking that, oh, you love God. The fact that you profess his name, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I love Jesus. I go to church. I, I do this. I do that. If you can't love God, if you don't love people, you are disqualified. So th- this love thing is huge. So on this Valentine's Day, I don't want us to take the, the love that people are throwing around on social media, what you hear casually, but let's truly value it because we, the Bible says, how can you say you love God and not love your neighbor? So before we can profess that we we, we love God, we, we need to make sure that our relationships are fixed. Anybody hearing me? He says the one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not, and never did know him. You never knew him. So you could be one of those people that on that day when you stand before God, you say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You said you loved him, but you were never in love with him because you couldn't get along with your brother or your sister, because you were holding a grudge against your brother or your sister, because you had malice in your heart. He says, you never knew him, that you never got the understanding of who God is. So in order for us to get to any place in God, the first thing is that we love God. Oh, sorry. We love people because you can't love God without loving your neighbor. If you go to God or some of us, if we were to go to God today and say, God, we we love you. God would tell you, you hypocrite. I don't know you. Get out of here. You hate your brother. You hate your sister you are automatically disqualified. And that's why Jesus taught that lesson when he said that the the, the, the person that went into the temple, if you have any, before you offer any sacrifice unto God, if you have any issue with your brother or your sister, leave that sacrifice. It's not as important. Go fix it. Come back. And then your sacrifice will be acceptable. So on this Valentine's Day, how do we respond to God? We respond to God by loving one another. By our love, the world will know that we are true disciples of Jesus Christ. The people that are not saved, when they are around you based on your conversations and your hatred towards your brother or your sister, will they know that you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ? By our love, they will know that we are true disciples of Jesus Christ. Let let me finish uh, what I was reading. He says, the one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. He is the originator of love and it is an enduring attribute of his nature. If you know his nature, if you know who God is, that's why people of God, it's very important you take the time to study the word of God, know who he is. Don't just let people deceive you and say all kinds of things without knowing. There's so much the kingdom. As the apostle Paul told us last week, that there are other things pertaining that is related to salvation. Salvation is free, but after you've been saved, there are things pertaining to salvation that you need to know. But if you don't study God's word, you won't know and it will be very easy for you to be swayed. Verse 9, it says, by this, the love of God was displayed in us in that God has sent his one and only begotten son, the one who is truly unique, the one who is one of his kind into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation propria- That is the atoning sacrifice and satisfying offering for our sins. Fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating his wrath. Beloved, if God so loved us in this incredible way, if God loved you so dearly that much, he said, we also, we also, you and I, If God loved us this way, we also must ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. And on this day, I could have gotten into the the, 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 the three, you know, the, the Greek, the, the eros, the agape, uh, uh, um, and all those other things, the filio. Uh, just to kind of make it seem like I know it all and I know a lot I'm not here to impress you with words. I'm not here to impress you with with theological stuff. I'm, I just want to make sure that your heart is turned right onto God. What is your response to God? This was a profound Question, simple yet profound, that was made to Peter. But I believe the same question echoes for us today Do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, feed his lamb. As I have been saying, it's not up to just the one with the title as a pastor. Because sometimes we allow titles to get into our heads and we lose sight of the assignment that God has given us. If we say that we love Jesus, then collectively as a church body, we feed those that are coming into faith the new converts secondly if we love jesus that if you've been appointed as a leader jesus said feed my sheep or shepherd or lead my sheep those that are there so that we can fulfill the assignment that god has given us thirdly he asks again if we truly love him not only do we lead those that are mature in the faith but also feed them also because everybody needs feeding I believe it was the most important question the apostle Peter had ever faced. Over 2000 years have passed, but these same questions still resonates with us today. The question deserves, as a matter of fact, it demands an answer from all your rational beings. Do you love Jesus Christ? He loved us while we were still yet sinners. And for all that he's done, you know, the the, the amount of time that God has covered you with his love. But you cannot reciprocate and just be in love with him. And we trample on the sacrifice that he made on the cross. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, many claim to have unfailing love. But a faithful person, who can find? I'm not going to get into the details of it, but last week I spent more time, uh, a lot of time on, 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 on that. If you love someone, you will be with them till the end, even when times are rough. If you love someone, you will not be a tailbearer when you are upset. If you love someone, you are not easily swayed. If you love someone, you will not backstab them. If you love someone, you will feel what they feel. If we say we love Jesus, do we put ourselves in that place, that position where he hung on the cross, pierced his side, was bleeding, was carrying the cross, was being wet? That was supposed to be you and I, but he took our place. He felt that for us. And with all that he's done for us, will your response today be that of also feeling what he feels and what he desires for you to? Is the passion of Christ your passion also? Although love is an invisible entity, its fruit are clearly seen. If we truly love the Lord, we will show this by obeying his word. Amen. Don't say, Okay, I will do it tomorrow. Let me see, and, and that's that's what happens when. When we hear the word of God, we just we think that time will allow things to fall into place. When you hear the word of God, the Bible tells us we need to act right away, obey the word, and walk in it. John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you if we love Jesus, we should learn to keep his commandments. Not tomorrow, not a week from now, not months from now. If we love him, keep his commandments. Hallelujah. If someone tells you they love you, let me give you a few tips and I'm going to get out of here. These are the things that you measure with. All right. It says, but but the fruit of the spirit is love. The first thing that the Bible talks about, about the fruit of the spirit is love. So born of the water and the spirit, if you have the spirit of God inside of you, loving one another should never be an issue. You know, you have people say, oh, <laughs> I, I love you. Whatever you did to me, I forgive you, but I will never forget. That ain't love. Amen? And, and I'm, I'm not saying that you, 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 you'll you be able to forget. You have to make a deliberate effort every day to forget because naturally it's there in your memory. But when you say you, you, you forgive, but you will never forget, what you're saying is, okay, I will always make sure that I hold you to what you did 10 years ago, five years ago. Said, so, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Some of us, we have no joy in our lives. If, if we don't find the joy in our life, ask yourself, do you have the spirit of God? Have you been born again? You have no peace. The, the, the fruit of the spirit has what? Peace. It, it brings patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. See, don't let anybody fool you with mere words. But the Bible says to test all spirits I just read it not too long ago I'm giving you a formula to test real love oh but he says he share, he says they, they love me don't be fooled test that sucker out don't let them fool you, fool you with just their words. oh but he buys me flowers or he no 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 don't, don't be fooled by all of that. How well do they speak of you when you're not around? Only God knows. And only the Spirit of God can reveal that. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God has to say. What you hear affects your soul, which will eventually infect your soul. From today, it's my prayer that when you tell someone that you love them, Make sure that it's reflected through your actions, your level of loyalty, and communication. Don't say that you love me, but I don't see it in your actions. The saying "The action speaks louder than words." If someone tells you they love you, this is how you know that they are lying or telling you the truth. Let, let me let me hit you with one last one. 1 Corinthians one to eight. We know this passage by heart for most of us. He says, "If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others, growing out of God's love, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging symbol, just annoying distraction." Amen. So if you say you love someone, you you can prophesy until you're blown in the face. You can command uh, the sun to stop. You can command the elements and it will pour down like rain. The Bible says that all of that is noise. Amen. If I have the gift of prophecy to speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge. If I have all sufficient faith and I can remove mountains, but do not have love, reaching out to others, I am nothing. Let's not mistaken our gifts with what God demands of us. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you can quote. If we are not fulfilling this requirement of loving others, the Bible says we are nothing. You, 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 that, all of that means nothing. It's just noise. It's nonsense. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it does me no good. We know in other faiths, other religions, that for them, uh, giving to the poor is a huge thing, or, 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 or sacrificing something, to, or doing something to your body is a huge thing. Thank God in Christendom, through Christ, we don't have to do none of that. But God says that if you you do all of these things and you can't love one another, all of that means nothing. But this is how you know that someone truly loves you. Are you ready for this? Don't don't let them fool you. For, For those that are dating, don't let her or him fool you, get you into thinking that they love you based on what they say, but test your actions. He says love endures with patience and serenity. How patient are you with me? Amen? Some people say they they, they, they love, they, and I've seen this time and time again, people come to, oh, pastor, we love you. We love the church. And the next thing you know, they're gone. As, as, as soon as things don't go their way, they're gone. Does your love endure with patience? So love is kind and thoughtful. You can't say nothing good about people. You're not considerate of other people. As a saying, go put yourself in other people's shoes. Feel what they are feeling. We live in a very selfish society. very selfish world. And it's all about me, 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 and what I can get. I read something the other day. uh, Somebody put, I'm like, wow, that's a crazy world that we live in. It says something to the effect that, you know, they, they were taught that in whatever you do in this life, never allow the next man to make more than you make. This is how some people are being taught in our day. For those of us with children and stuff like that, sometimes I know some of our kids are a bit sheltered, don't know what goes on in the real world, but some people are taught that way. It's ingrained in their brain that never let anybody get ahead of you. Never let the next man become better than you. This is the culture of our day. Never next let the next man do better than you or make more than you. So when you understand this, you you know the world thinks totally differently, and it's just a messed up world. It's a love is kind and thoughtful, it is not jealous. Or envious, never be jealous of what somebody has, or envious of what God has blessed. You never know what they did to get that. What they they did drugs, they kill people, whatever. They sold uh, human parts to, to get whatever. Never. But God knows what we need. We 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 learned on Friday about the blessings of the Lord. It make it rich. It adds no sorrow to it. Job was in the presence of God and he was blessed by God. The devil could not touch him, could not mess around with what he had because it was a blessing from God, not from the devil, but the world will go and pursue certain things the the devil can bless them with material things, whatever, that's that's them. But the blessings of the Lord, it make up rich and adds no sorrow to it and therefore we should never be jealous or envious. He said, love does not brag, it is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered, overly sensitive. We live in a time and age where everybody is sensitive about something. I don't know about you guys, but this whole Black Lives Matter thing is making me so uncomfortable. Everybody is offended at something. Oh, you said this and said that and said that and said that. You say a little thing, oh, you said I don't like it. I, I'm offended. You looked at me that way, oh, I'm offended. Oh, you read into my body language, I'm offended. But the Bible says that if someone loves you, genuinely, truly loves you, then that love is not provoked. It's not overly sensitive. It's not easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endure. You don't keep bringing back the past. You don't keep bringing, you don't hold it in your heart. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth. When right and truth prevail, love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes in all things, looking for the best in each one. It hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades, nor ends. But prophecies, but as for prophecies, they will always pass away. As for tongues that we speak in in mysteries, they will cease also. As for the gift of special knowledge, they will all pass away. This is the basis of our salvation. If we love one another, then we are of God. If you don't love one another, that means you are of Satan. That, that that's that, that's that's the truth. And I know sometimes we don't want to because it sounds a bit too harsh. That's, if we love one another, then we are of God. We are from God. If we don't love one another, that means we are from Satan. That means you've sort of uh, taken on a Luciferian spirit. I hope that we receive something tonight, though today. On this Valentine's Day, where people are talking about love and, and love may have been defined in the wrong manner, I hope and it's my prayer that the Word of God shed a bit more light on what we should look for when we are loving on when we are loving on, on others, when we are receiving love from others that profess to love us, but it's not really love. And some people have gotten themselves in trouble because they believed every word they heard say, oh, because they say they love me. No, you say you love me, is not enough. Proof that you love me. And that is demonstrated through our actions. If you are listening today, if you're here today, you are not born again, you are not saved. I I just want to take a moment with you and pray with you. I want you to hold somebody by the hand in your living room and I'm going to pray if you can lead them into salvation. Maybe all your life you've been going to church and you've never really understood what it means to to be saved and you just know church, but you haven't been saved. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to take the time today, pray with you and invite you to be a part of the kingdom family. So wherever you are, just stretch your hands and Let's pray together. Repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Today I ask that you will forgive me of my sins. Wash me and purify me with the blood that you shed on the cross of Calvary. I am a sinner who can only be saved by your grace. Through faith, believing that Jesus, you died on the cross. You rose up on the third day. You ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father just to intercede for me each day. Have mercy on me and save my soul From eternal damnation. Holy Spirit. I invite you into my heart. I ask that you will captivate my heart. For the rest of my life. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to do everything you ask me to do. However, I cannot do that in my own strength so help me to let for you in Jesus name i thank you for saving me in Jesus name amen 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 so that's all it takes to you for you to inherit salvation if you pray that prayer with me you are saved if you have someone with you in your living room your family room That's all it takes. You are saved. You are saved. So you are no longer on your way to hell. You have decided to take on the narrow path. It's not going to be easy, but uh, God will give you the grace. He will give you the strength. And we are here as a church family to help you walk through your journey, experience the power of God, experience the power of the kingdom.